I can't hear, I can't see, I want to be a referee. Madness. This is Locked On Big 12. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Sunday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Big 12. I'm Drake Toll from ESPN Central Texas. Thank you for making Locked On Big 12 your first listen every single day. If my camera on, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. If my camera shakes because the French bulldog running around my ankles, madhouse. Back, in, I'm back in Arkansas with the family for a little bit, so I could have just a like tunnel vision, sit on the couch, watch the Big 12 this weekend. And what I came, what I walked away with, all referees are bad. They're bad people. They're bad at their core. They don't deserve anything good in life. And I know what you're thinking. Well, my husband's a referee or your uncle's a referee or you knew somebody who was a referee. And guess what? You don't know what they're not telling you. You haven't asked the right questions because probably at their core, they're rotten and terrible. Hyperbolic, maybe. But if you watched Houston and Texas, UCF, Oklahoma, you know exactly what I'm talking about this week. And, and I'm, I'm going to get into the big ones. I'm going to get into BYU being good. Texas Tech being bad. TCU, whatever that was. I mean, they hired a guy named last name Bryles with the last name Bryles to score three points against Kansas State with Josh Hoover, who was so good last week. Make it make sense. And th- then West Virginia, Oklahoma State. There was some wild stuff that happened in the conference. We'll talk about all that the rest of the show. But this is emergency podcast Sunday. And the emergency, the, the need for the authorities is when it comes to the official. You know what? The referees, the officials, they, they, they want the spotlight. You want the spotlight. If you want to be the talk of the town, I'll give it to you. That was bad. And some of you remember when Nebraska left the league. And it always seemed like you know, we're, we're laughing and elbowing each other as the officials didn't screw Nebraska. But their fans will make a case that week in and week out, they couldn't get a fair shake in conference because of the referees. And nobody's ever like, yeah, oh, you're just, you're complaining. But everybody was like, oh, yeah, didn't always seem even. This is the complete opposite. Like circuit 2011, Nebraska is playing Texas Tech, and a Texas Tech player commits a, a, a defensive pass interference. The referee would just punch the Nebraska kid in the balls for good measure. No flag. I don't know. It's Sunday. You don't need to hear the word balls. I'm sorry about that. Slipped out. And now the referees are, oh, Jonathan Brooks, let me hold your hand. Let's take you to the end zone. Oh, can't let you get hurt. I don't know. Is it because, is it because, and maybe it doesn't play a factor, right? If you ask Brett Yormark today in a tell all, does it, is it a factor with these officials to get Oklahoma and Texas into the college football playoff, the national championship? That's what, that's always the rhetoric from fans is, oh, well, these officials want Oklahoma. They want Texas into the national championship. But I, I don't know if it goes that way, but it seems like the big brands are winning here. The teams that are leaving the Big 12 are winning. And there are Oklahoma fans and Texas fans listening. And they're, th- they're right now, they're screaming, oh, this guy's just mad. He's just a hater. He just wants to see us lose. He's being dramatic. And you know what? Maybe I am. Maybe all those things apply to me. But I watched those games on Saturday. And, and when Houston gets a clear first down or UCF gets a clear pick, it, it just felt like in so many big moments, Backing them up didn't happen. And, and if I'm Dana Holgerson, I don't understand how head coaches keep, and I'm going to use composure lightly here, but keep their quote composure. Because if I'm Dana Holgerson in that moment, I'm throwing stuff. 
I'm grabbing whatever I can find, water bottle. Remember the guy for the, the minor league head coach that pulled the base out and then chunked the base and then threw the Ross in as if it was a grenade? That's me. I'm telling all my players, I'm grabbing their helmets. I'm throwing those in the field. I'm making a complete scene here. We're going to review this play because this uh, my kid is across the line, first down, we're taking this sucker to overtime or going for two to win it. And all of America waiting with bated breath watching this game is going, oh, yeah, Houston's going to score a touchdown. Uh, Emory Jones, sorry, he doesn't play. He plays for Cincinnati, and he was bad this weekend. <laughs> Oops. Donovan Smith, same guy. Texas Tech Donovan Smith was great. Threading the needle. Just finding guys there. And you thought, you know what, for the 10-yard line, he's going to keep on doing it. Go Cougs. And for what? For the officials to crap all up. Now, I, I, I do want to bring into play here the play calling. Houston, fourth and inches, tush push, baby. Just tush push. I've seen too many teams. Baylor did this twice against Cincinnati on fourth and two and didn't get it either times. It's this fourth and fourth and short thing that big 12 teams or maybe college football teams in general think, oh, must throw the ball, must throw the ball. Just run the ball. Just do it. Just run the ball up the middle. Fourth and inches. It was like fourth and six inches, which is which is above average. I will give you that. But you, that's that's it. That's those noises I just made. That's what I have for you. Just snap the ball and then boom. That's it. That's all. It, boom. In that amount of time, that's the the, the distance it takes. You just, you just put the ball over the line. I get it. Texas D line is huge. That's maybe it's even better reason they're, they're running in your face. That still Donovan Smith. He's not a Heisman caliber quarterback. And last play of the game is squandered. Just run the ball up the middle. We're not having this conversation. We have the conversation of, oh, the refs could have screwed Houston. But what I don't like about this is the officials took the game out of Houston's hand. Usually, still game despite bad officiating at times. But in this scenario, I, I don't know if I can say that. I can't, I can't squarely tell you Texas won this game. This game, the, the, the last couple of plays were won for Texas, right? I know the players, the ones that made the stop, but that call takes the opportunity effectively out of Houston's hands to go win the game like they were supposed to. So I, I no asterisk Texas that in the record book on paper for the rest of the season and the rest of time won this ball game, but the game was taken out of Houston's hands. Don't like that for UCF. Similar deal felt like every you know every couple big plays like oh well here's the flag oh well here's this oh I said. the taunting was awesome by the way blowing kisses at the sideline little old UCF against mighty Oklahoma that was great that was great yeah you got to flag them eh, I'm not mad about that one but all of that aside Gus Malzahn pulling out his best less miles clock management at the end of the game. I mean, I, I look Houston UCF. You're our children. Now you're in the big 12. Now I am rooting for you to win. And you just kind of crapped all over it. Gus is using timeouts willy nilly. When think about this, here's the way I envision this. Colton Boomer's a great kicker for UCF. Colton Boomer's a great kicker. I'll give you the synopsis. If you didn't watch Gus Malzahn's doling out timeouts there late in the game. If you've got three timeouts in your back pocket, and you go down minute and a half to go against Oklahoma, score that touchdown. The two point conversion call, horrendous. John Rice Plumley is saving this drive. He they punch it in. UCF punches it in, and the two point conversion play call was awful, so awful. The onside kick was great. You still didn't get that. If you've got three timeouts 
And let's say you get a stop against OU. John Rice Plumley gets the ball back with 45, 50, 55 seconds to go. He can get Colton Boomer in field goal range. I can get Colton Boomer in field goal range. Field goal range for Colton Boomer is forever. Wherever you want to put the ball, he can probably kick it from there. I know he missed the one against Baylor, but I still have full confidence in this kid. Just get Colton Boomer to the 40-yard line and let the kid try. But instead, there weren't timeouts there. You have you've given the game away to Oklahoma if you don't get this two-point conversion. You put all the weight of this two-point conversion uh, all the way to the game on the two-point conversion. And then you made it was just a terrible play call. For Houston, run the ball. For UCF, don't get cutesy and do whatever that was. Put the ball in John Rice Plumley's hands. QB power or something. I don't know, man. Welcome to the Big 12. We can't be doing all this crap. Run the ball. That's that's what I have to say today. BYU is good. Texas Tech is not. This Locked On Big 12, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Look, Prize Picks is a great place to go when it comes to <clears throat> prize picks. I am personally a big fan of sports. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports platform. It is the best daily fantasy sports platform in North America. You've got right now, right now, the most fun I've had winning 25 times my money this football season. Just two more players, pick two more players, pick over under on their projected stats, place your interest entry. Prize picks test my skills on football. You can turn $10 into $250 the few taps. It's really simple to play. Make picks, submit your entry in less than like 50, 60 seconds, like less than a minute. You just boom. Saquon Barkley, more than 60 yards. Patrick Mahomes, more than two passing touchdowns. Boom. Throw that parlay in there. It's the number one daily fantasy app with prize picks, reboot policy, your entry stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and CFP top 25 matchups, if you have a player who ex- exits the game in the first half, does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy play platform with injury insurance. So player stats that I can go in right now and say, hey, I want the over on this guy, the under on this guy. Parlay, boom, Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com forward slash locked on college. Use code locked on college. Your first deposit gets a match up to $100. Prizepicks.com forward slash locked on college. Use promo code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100 on Prize Picks. All right, BYU being good. Ah, I, I told you last week, one of my best bets of the week was BYU beating, not beating, not beat, I didn't, say beat, I didn't say beat, but I thought they would cover the three or whatever it was against Texas Tech. Now, if you lay out this box score for me, I'm, I might get a little, I might get a little worried because BYU offensively was bad. They weren't very good. Keaton Slovis, ah, fine. BYU had 12 first downs. I, I, there came a point in the game, third or fourth quarter, when Tech brought it from 27 to 7 back to 27 14. And I thought, oh no, Tech might win this game. And then I thought, well, well BYU's played too well. They played too well to lose, right? No, no. The offense, 12 first downs, bad. Four for 14 on third downs, bad. 277 total yards, total yards, bad. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech had a hundred more yards, 
109 more passing yards. Keaton Slovis was 15 for 27. Bad. 4.7 yards per pass. BYU, though, unbelievable. 50 rushing yards. That's the one stat that I was, I was going through. I was like, oh, that's not good. This is not good. This is not good. 150 rushing yards. Awesome. Good for you. Finally. Texas Tech led the time of possession. Texas Tech had more penalties. That didn't help. But Tech had more rushing yards, more passing yards. I told you more total yards. They were three for five on fourth down, uh, nine for 18 on third down. They, they were better than BYU in so many areas of the game. And you know how BYU won this game. It's the same way that I've been telling you that BYU wins games all season long. I realized this around the Arkansas game. BYU is not going to dominate. They're not going to come out and just, just uh, like as much as the score would tell you the BYU dominated this game, it was not total domination. It was just that one play, two play, three play, four play, five. Five turnovers forced in this game is what made the difference. BYU didn't have to be pristine on offense when so many turnovers, Tech's giving the ball away to BYU. When your freshman quarterback's tossing three interceptions, and look, what I like about Jake Strong is that he's going to be such a good quarterback in a couple of years. Give him some time. I think Jake Strong for Tech could be a solid QB, a solid signal caller in this league. But because every five, one of every five passes, I'm like, dang, yes, that. But then the other one, another one out of the five is an interception, and the other three are pretty bad. I I just I what I don't understand about BYU, and it's not sustainable. It's the reason BYU lost to TCU as bad as they did, because it is this we play on luck. We play on the big play. When when that that apex, we somebody needs something big to happen. There's a massive fourth down. This has to go right. We need a turnover. BYU just does it. And they win at night. They win it. Maybe that's what it is, too. It's something so innate about this team that the mundane is hard. The spectacular is easy. That's the best way to describe BYU. The easier it is, like running the ball, the easier it is to do, the worse BYU is at. The worse BYU is at. The harder it is to do, forcing turnovers, the better BYU is. The Cougar, the BYU Cougars had more rushing yards than passing yards and only 12 first downs. Lost the time of possession. Like, I, I don't know what other you gave up 100 yards to Taj Brooks. Everything that I thought could go possibly wrong for BYU in like just the stats can just read down the stat line. Yep. Bad, 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 bad. Run, the running game being better, but the passing game being so statistically dismal. Hurts, but you know what it is. Once again, once again, it's a reason we can't read. We cannot read into BYU box scores. Same thing against Cincinnati. Sure, these stats look bad, but a lot of this is a field position battle. BYU forcing turnovers, getting the ball in plus territory, utilizing long-ish drives, capitalizing when it matters most. That's what BYU's done this season, and it's what makes them dangerous. It's not going to. It's not going to give you. A 12 and 0 season. It's not going to give you a, a 10 and 2 season, but it might win BYU eight or nine games this year because BYU is doing something that Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston are not, and that is making those plays. While you, you take a game for a Cincinnati who ran the ball so well against Baylor, for a UCF who, who played so well against Oklahoma. For a Houston that took Texas all the way down to the wire, what do those teams not do? They don't make the last play. 
They don't make the game-breaking play. They don't make the game-changing play. They don't get it done when it matters the most, when the, the clock's striking midnight and you got to do something. That and, and maybe that's a sad excuse for uh, maybe somebody out there is like, oh, this guy's a terrible analyst. No, it's just what happens. If you watch a BYU game, you think, I don't know how this is going on. It's just what BYU does. And for Texas Tech, when you're playing a team like that, a new team in the Big 12, you've got to capitalize. I don't know. I thought Texas Tech was a dark horse to win the Big 12. I thought Texas Tech was going to be so good this year with either Tyler Shuck or Baron Morton. Both those guys weren't great. Jake Strong, I don't expect him to be great. But freshman quarterback aside, this, this, I mean, you know, Texas Tech is obviously not Alabama. It's not Georgia. But in the Big 12, you've got every opportunity to be a high-caliber team and the high caliber teams can plug and play a new quarterback and still be good. Look at what Kansas State's doing with Avery Johnson. I know Will Howard's not hurt. They can still use him. That's become a deadly two-headed monster. But look, this is an adaptation. to bring in Avery Johnson. Texas Tech looks really bad. You bring in a new OC who's supposed to be lights out. This OC is supposed to be lights out. You put up 14 points against BYU. BYU night game strikes again. Tech, man, we're going to have to have a lot of conversations this week. Joey McGuire, obviously safe, but dude, at three and five, two and three in conference play, this is bad. This is really bad. And this is Locked On Big 12, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is also brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company, near beer, baby. I, on Saturdays, drink an average of 12 beers. That's not a six-pack. That's not a fiver. That is 12 beers because they're all non-alcoholic. Non-alcoholic brews from Athletic Brewing Company keep me in the game. Now, my game changer of the week this week, not really close. Ollie Gordon II. Oklahoma State running back, my game changer of the week for his unbelievable breakout four touchdown performance against West Virginia. Athletic Brewing Company is also a game changer, changing the non-alcoholic brew game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They're great tasting with 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. Find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic beers in a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewingcompany.com. No, athleticbrewing.com. First time customers use code locked on to get 15% off your first online order code locked on at checkout 15% off at athleticbrewing.com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fit for all times. All right. Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU and Kansas State. I want to let's get into these two games here really quickly. First for TCU, you hired a guy with the last name Bryles. You took the baggage that comes with that. Was it worth it? Absolutely not. TCU's offense has regressed week after week. Take the BYU game. Take what Josh Hoover did. BYU doesn't have a film on Josh Hoover. I give them a slight excuse for that, but the kid looks spectacular. How does Kendall Bryles, how does he build off of it? He doesn't. You lay a complete egg against Kansas State. You bring in a guy named Bryles. You show him behind his family in an airplane and say, we got our guy. How's that working out for you, man? And and I'll tell you this, as someone who hosts a show, ESPN Central Texas in Waco and talks pretty consistently about the name Bryles and what guys like Kaz Kazadi knew, what guys like Jeff Levy may have known, what guys like Kendall Bryles knew, there are 
it's not really shocking if you read into this whole deal that Kendall Bryles hands aren't exactly clean dating back to 2016 and prior at Baylor. TCU says, sure, we'll take this guy. He's a hell of an offensive coordinator. And they were wrong. That, that's what you give. A three-point performance. And for Kansas State, brother, I have always, always preached against a two-quarterback system. I hate it. It's terrible. By the way, I want to throw this out there, too. I, it's in my notes. I highlighted it. I'm going to have to get to it or I'll throw up. TCU threw the ball 43 times. Your freshman quarterback, 23 for 43. 43 times. Run the ball. I know you got down early. Do, do something. De- Baylor used the run to overcome a 28-point deficit in the fourth quarter against UCF. You can run the ball. Onward. Will Howard, Avery Johnson. I, I, it's against my religion for a two-quarterback system. But Kansas State does it, and it looks very nice. And I think I like it. DJ Giddens is good. Treshawn Ward is good. But Avery Johnson and Will Howard running. the You had four guys run for 60 or more yards. Will Howard running the ball. I don't know. Getting charged up. Will Howard looks better now that Avery Johnson's in the game. It has brought him to a new level. It wasn't always like that. In past weeks, like, oh, you know, thunder and rain. And are those things opposites or similar? Yang and Yang. Dude, that's weird. Um, that's how it felt. It's like, uh, I don't know if these guys mesh. Now, it's like one brings the other to a higher level. Kansas State's good. Dangerous even right now. I lost to Oklahoma State looks better because, as we get into now, Oklahoma State is good. And I, I don't know how, and it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Remember those first few weeks when it's like, hey, maybe Ollie Gordon could he could be one of the best running backs in the Big 12. And Mike Gundy simply said, you know, we're just not going to use him. <laughs> Yeah, we've been watching this guy practice, and he's really good. We're just not going to use him. For perspective this week, Ollie Gordon had 282 rushing yards. Listen here. Ollie Gordon had 282 rushing yards. Oklahoma State as a team, 281 rushing yards. That's right. That's right. Other guys had so many negative yards that Ollie Gordon had more rushing yards than the team total. Yes. Ah, Alan Bowman's not that good, but he wins football games and he looks more confident and better every week. So for that, I give him a yes. Brennan Presley. The fact that Ollie Gordon isn't great in the receiving game, he's not utilized in the receiving game, but your receivers can come up with big plays makes that okay. Makes that okay. Brennan Presley, I forgive you for the fumble. Well, for West Virginia, I done been telling you that I like Garrett Green. I told you that last week after that Houston game where he was a star. He's so good on the ground. But when CJ Donaldson is, this is what I think I've realized when CJ Donaldson is limited, when he is demobilized, that's when things get rough. When West Virginia turns the ball over more than once, that's when you've just, for the last four and a half, five years, West Virginia has not been fundamentally sound. They've not seemed like a very, uh, level-headed football team that to me starts with a head coach who will likely not be the head coach anymore next season and that gnashed its teeth again against Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter you've got a chance to go in and just close out the game at home you've you you get that insane terrible punt touch thing 
whatever you want to call that. I, that you call it a muff punt, but that's just a disgrace to muff punts everywhere. And you give up 28 points in the fourth quarter. You crap away this game. That's bad. I, I, Oklahoma State had scored 20 points in the first three quarters. You give up 28 points in the fourth. That's coaching, man. There's some things you'll get at a box score and you say, ooh, clock management standpoint, offensive standpoint that translates into defense. You just can't have this from a coaching. You cannot direct the game. You cannot guide the game this dramatically poor. Um, and and that and that's exactly what happened. West Virginia, ooh, I haven't sold yet, but that's bad. Oklahoma State, again, I think they're a bottom five roster in the Big 12. I do. And they're good. And they're going to win eight or nine games. Said the same thing. You can go back and watch the shows from three weeks ago, five weeks ago. Oklahoma State's roster is bad. Yeah. So many guys left. And it wasn't like Gundy's bringing in a top 20 recruiting class. But man, those boys can play ball. And they're just, they lost to South Alabama 33-7. And here they are winning. I feel like I'm winning. What a great conference. I'll see you guys again tomorrow. I will do some power rankings for your Monday. This has been, it always will be, Locked On. Thanks for making it your first listen every single day. Dose Grande.